We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Grinders NFL Pick Six Show Super Wild Card Weekend. We made it. We're talking playoffs. This is not your friend of five years ago's Wild Card Weekend. This is a Super Wild Card Weekend. Rich Rebar, <laughs> Sharp Football Analysis, John Diggle, four for four. Bet spurts. We did it, John. We can relax a little bit, but well, you know, still lots of money out there in the uh, DFS streets. Many different versions of you know, as far as contests. Uh, Saturday only. Sunday only. Saturday through Monday. We're just going to go. It's the pick six show. There's six games. We're just going to break all six games down individually. John, uh, how are things in your world? Fresh off your uh, your half marathon you talked about pre-show. Congratulations on that. Yeah, showed up, messed around, ran a half marathon on Saturday in 20 degrees. The weather always counts because it shrinks your lungs. Uh, I feel like we've always shown up and done our best on the show. We're, you, Rich and I always have our notes. We're ready to go. But it's, it's funny because now it's the playoffs and I just show up with like a different glow. Like I just feel better because <laughs> six games is a different monster than 16. You could actually like digest and think about it. We're going to talk about Z, uh, G Olajari. Like they're actually defensive injuries that matter. We get to get into them this week. So yeah, I'm excited. Uh, how about yourself, Rich? How are you feeling? Uh, are you excited for the, uh, the six gamer this weekend? Uh, you know, it's a, uh, it's playoff time. We got to get our play. You know, we, we were coasting throughout the regular season. Now we got to get in playoff mode. Every game matters. That's why we're going to break down every single game. Welcome to the show. Uh, let's do it. Feeling good? Lock it in. Listen, I'm ready for some some good football. I watched a lot of bad football this year. Uh, you know, I, I'm waiting to see how this gets messed, messed up when we have a potential layout where we have a week from today or a week from, uh, you know, from now where we could be looking at Patrick Mahomes versus Justin Herbert and Josh Allen versus Joe Burrow. I'm waiting to see how that gets just thrown into a blender. And uh, cause I think so much people want to see it, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, that'll be fun for sure. Obviously. If, I, I if Alex Kappa, if Alex Kappa robs us of Joe Burrow in the divisional round. Listen, if, if the, the Bengals lose to Anthony Brown, then uh, it is what it is. <laughs> it's like, the, you know, a lot of people were complaining about the, uh, the lions not getting in. It's like two weeks ago, the Lions gave up 320 rushing yards to the Panthers. If that's what kept you out, I mean, yeah. 
<laughs> there are lions. First of all, how dare you besmirch our lions? Uh, you can't give up three hundred. Can't give three hundred rushing yards. Expect to get in the dance. Yeah, they're a fun team. <laughs> ne- next year, and next year, the momentum's going to be going forward. We'll see. Hey, at least they ruined uh, the Packers, though. We don't have like they 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 took on took away the us watching after any more Packers games. So props to you, Lions. Also, the tantalizing Aaron Rodgers play every single week that we kept on even trying to convince one another off of it every single game. We don't have to worry about that anymore. It's great. I didn't get a lot of things right. I didn't play Mike Evans when Rich implored me to play Mike Evans. Which, by the way, a lot of people in the chat on YouTube were shouting you out, Rich. You hooked oh, up nice. weeks ago. Great call. Yeah. Uh, by the way, you were the six percent. Yeah, you, you moved the needle for sure. If you didn't say anything, it would be like three percent, maybe four percent. But all the way up to six. Hit that, uh, hit that like button. Mm-hmm. Tap it, caress it, whatever your adjective of choice happens to be. If you guys are watching us in the old YouTube streets, appreciate y'all. And when you know some people actually hang out with us and watch, uh, watch live nine o'clock on a Wednesday night. This, by the way, not our only playoff show. We're going to be going deep into the playoffs. So every single Wednesday night, we'll be digging in and breaking it down. The very first game, not the most exciting of the games, if you're going to power rank them, I don't think. Uh, Seattle. Seattle's at San Fran. 42.5 is the total. Seattle currently is a a 9.5-point dog. 42.5 as far as the total. For what it's worth, appears to be some rain in the forecast. It's Wednesday night. Not freaking out just yet. And rain, not like what wind would be. Just going to keep an eye, I suppose. Hey, this is what we're talking about, the playoffs. we got Geno Smith and Brock Birdie. Rich, just like we all predicted, right? Yeah, listen, Gino's been a, a fantastic story. And Brock Purdy's turned into a fantastic story, too. Like, Brock Purdy and Jarek McKinnon, we're waiting for which one's going to drop their aggression ball first. But uh, neither one is caved. They keep standing up tall to the task. Uh, Brock Purdy now sporting a 9% touchdown rate. Uh, wow. pretty, pretty ridiculous. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, for those who want to add context to this, leads the NFL of all qualified passes with a 6.3% touchdown rate. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're looking for kind of some regression eventually hit. When will it hard to say it'll happen here. I mean, you look at the, you know, you look at the Seahawks, they completely did what kind of hasn't been working against Brock Purdy. I mean, teams have really tried to blitz Purdy and it's kind of worked. Uh, he's been blitzed on 37% of his dropbacks and he's, you know, got some okay numbers, 7.6 yards per attempt, four passing touchdowns, but when teams have not blitzed Brock Purdy. And you can just do the Kyle Shanahan, you know, pick your spots, be John Stockton, be a point guard. He's completed 72.4% of his passes. Only Justin Herbert has a higher completion rate uh, when not blitzed over that span. He's 9.6 yards for pass attempt and a 9.2% touchdown rate when he isn't blitzed. Uh, and last time these teams played, Seattle blitzed on just 7.1% of his dropbacks, the lowest rate uh, in the league that week. So uh, let's see what kind of calibration Seattle does and see if they try to dial up uh, some heat on the young rookie. By the way, Elijah Mitchell last week, 40% touchdown rate, right? Is that what it was? I think it was uh, two touchdowns on five. Uh, my, my quick UCF math in my head on five rushes. And was it, was it last year when Debo had that? What was Debo's insane touchdown rate last year? It was, it was something really goofy, right? I think it was and they were like year. all long. It was a touchdown on every seven and a half carries. I believe it was. <laughs> of course. Uh, Shocked that that did not continue going into this season. Uh, where are you at, John, as far as the San Fran offense? Like, look, big team total, big favorite. Mitchell back. So The problem is, right, too many weapons is the argument, I suppose. You know, you got to cut the pie up in a bunch of different slices. Uh, we have, uh, you know, Debo being back. Mitchell's back there with CMC. Of course, Kittle, he's got to get fed. Ayuk as well. Purdy just kind of like the uh, 
you know, quarterback manager. Is that insulting? I suppose it is kind of sort of somewhat. We'll he see could. what he is going for. A little respect. He's been good. He's been fine. Yeah. But like, you know, people are anointing him in like, the, oh, this is the next Tom Brady. It's like, what? You know, chill, relax, calm down. He, he needs to have a tough matchup for sure. Uh, this probably isn't it, but this ain't I mean, it. Three, three game winning drives from the fourth quarter on against the Raiders. He leads the league in completion rate on throws 10 yards downfield since he took over under center. Like, He's been more than respectable. I think he's been good. Uh, I do want to step back, though, and say we have a lot of big numbers to sift through in Wild Card Weekend, and I don't think they matter, honestly. like You can get cute and say some teams may cover, but since 1978, whenever Wild Card Weekend was initially instituted, the spread has not come into play 88% of the time. Basically, if you think someone wins, don't worry about the number. Just go ahead and lean into that game script for DFS. Last year, even, four of six games were decided by three scores. So if you think someone blows someone out, maybe like the 49ers blowing out the Seahawks, just lean into that game script with Elijah Mitchell. I can also argue that these two teams are not common opponents despite being divisional foes. Because in the first game, there was no Brock Purdy or Christian McCaffrey. And in the second game, that was Brock Purdy's first career start without Debo Samuel and Elijah Mitchell, and the 49ers still averaged over six yards per play. So a pretty good spot here. At the same time, I know enough sharp people that are leaning into Seattle with the points because the weather could be a factor here. And if you take away the 49ers pass rush and you just let Seattle lean into like Ken Walker exploding for a carry, like 49ers have only allowed one player to run for over 60 yards all year. And that was Josh Jacobs in week 17. He only reached 69. So we're not expecting a high ceiling. But at the same time, because there's been no Travis Homer, Ken Walker has averaged 26 carries per game in the last three weeks. DJ Dallas is on the injury report as well now. So if we're expecting like a 28 touch per game for Ken Walker, that is enough usage for him to be the kind of player with his profile to explode for one and ruin player props, ruin DFS slates, despite the process being there in a fade, especially in a rainy game. So it's definitely something I'm looking at, but at the same time, we should at least see the 49ers carry their weight here from different players. I think the the one situation we're really talking about is Debo Samuel or George Kittle and Kittle could easily throw it back in your face. Like, he's obviously been amazing, leading the league in receiving touchdowns since week 15, a 26.7% target share, two and a half yards per route run in that span. But that stretch also happened when Debo Samuel initially got injured. And, and Brock Purdy's first two games, Debo Samuel led the team in targets, a 24.1% target share. George Kittle was fourth on his own team in targets. So I think... Kittle's situation, especially for this week in DFS, is a little more volatile than people suggest. At the same time, it is the Seahawks. They are third in yards per target of tight ends. So despite being correct with the process, you may get it shoved back in your face anyways. Rich, who's the player in the Niners? I guess CMC, Debo, Kittle. I suppose you can throw Ike into the conversation if you want to entertain it. That's just going to separate themselves. The player you need, like the, the, the one that you need to have, they're just going to separate themselves and they're going to put up an elite number, most likely. I mean, you got to say Christian McCaffrey. I mean, because yeah. the only way he doesn't get there is the game script game, right? And if the, and if he doesn't, that means the 49ers scored a bunch of points and Seattle didn't. Uh, you know, when the games that he's played with Elijah Mitchell, Elijah Mitchell actually has more carries than him, but it's all cleanup stuff. Uh, in the first half of those games, McCaffrey's played 76 snaps, 21 for Elijah Mitchell. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's a thing where just like Mitchell's getting stuff, but it's afterwards, it's like after the fact, like he's doing the same thing Jordan Mason was doing a little bit more. Uh, so if this game does end up a little bit tighter, like the 49ers are going to play their best guy, 
uh, during that period. And the passing game is interesting. So you just need the touchdowns because the 49ers just aren't going to have the passing volume, right? Like yeah. you don't really have to play the target game with the 49ers because like you said, it, it is a thin pie and they don't throw a lot with Brock Purdy. Uh, they haven't had to, and they may not have to here, but you're really counting on just the big plays. That's what it is. I mean, I mean Kittle has had less, fewer than 30 yards the past two weeks, but he's got he's got the touchdowns. Um, so, I mean, really all you are is chasing the touchdowns. I don't think anyone on the 49ers has, like, really massive yardage potential on the receiving side. And we know that Seattle's awesome against boundary receivers, uh, so it's not a game to really chase uh, Brandon Ayuk. We'll, we'll be splitting it up as the show goes on because I think all the slates are fun. Like the two game, the three game, well, the three game, there's an argument that it's not fun. Uh, but the sixth <laughs> game also, the way players are priced, it makes it pretty tight, honestly. You can't just do whatever the hell you want. On the two game though on Saturday, I think there is a reason to get off Ken Walker here and fade him for one of the passing game because if the Seahawks hang around, it's likely due because their passing game hangs around. And I know we haven't seen it for a while. Geno Smith has averaged 5.6 yards per attempt over the last month, but he was still the best story and definitively the comeback player of the year through eight, 10 games. The, the 49ers are also susceptible to the big play. It's just a matter of holding up your end of the bargain and like protecting. And although they can't do that, Maybe we get enough push here to where, like, DK Metcalf, since the 49ers are getting burned up from the boundary, like, maybe he's the play here in a two-game slate over Ken Walker's leverage. Man, Walker at 5'9 is so, so cheap. And the amount of touches he's projected to get, uh, you know, DJ Dallas, if he's out even even more so, um, he's going to be super, super popular. By the way, just to, to peek at the projections as far as San Fran receivers, nobody projected, medium projections, obviously, to get more than 47 yards, you know? Just Ayuk at 47, Kittle at 47, Samuel 45, CMC 34. Just kind of chopped up in all different ways. Some other guys sprinkling in. Um, well, John, is it is it DK Metcalf or is it Lockett? Do we uh, entertain the Fant or Parkinson? Do we, do we deal with that to, as far as the tight ends? Who's our favorite, I guess, run back, we can say, I suppose, here as far as Seattle? If it's strictly for leverage, for me, it would be Metcalf. We have to watch Noah Fant's participation on the injury report because maybe it's your boy, Dean Kobe Parkinson, coming back into play <laughs> at the Stone Men on a short slate, among all things. But uh, the boundary is where the 49ers are allowing top five rate and yards per target. But again, you just you just need the Seahawks to hold up and Geno Smith to hold up for just one play is really all it's going to take for DK Metcalf to get there as long as he gets there. So for me, it'd be Metcalf for sure. I think Ayuk is a pretty easy fade across the board on the other side of the ball, given that we don't talk about Tariq Woolen much on this show because like Sauce Gardner is the one who's the defensive cornerback, at least rookie of the year. But at the same time, like the Seahawks are allowing the fewest yards per target from the boundary. They shut out basically every receiver. If you play on the outside where Brendan Ayuk is going to play. So Maybe there's a, a yak debate to have, but with Debo Samuel not being limited in week 18 and being back to full strength, like if you can just go ahead and show your cards on the first game of the entire slate with Debo Samuel at less than 10%, that, that's a chance I'm willing to take in this game. Rich, are you excited about either of these quarterbacks uh, to kind of start your stack to build around? Assume, let's just assume, the, you know, for the argument for the conversation, it's a six game slate, and there are six game slates out there. Uh, how many lineups do you have to make until you say, I'm going to make a Geno stack or a Purdy stack? And the sixth game, probably not. Uh, yeah. You know, because even as good as Purdy's been for fantasy, he's just been like solid. You know, he's living in like that 16 to kind of like 18 point range. Uh, you're not giving you like the massive ceiling because you're not getting a, a ton of dropbacks, unfortunately. 
So probably pretty thin. I mean, Geno, I mean, Seattle scored on one of 20 possessions against the 49ers in the regular season. <laughs> uh, Geno averaged 4.6 air yards per throw against the 49ers, eight air yards per throw against everybody else. Just 2.7 of his passes, 2.7% of his passes went over 20 yards downfield. 10.6% against everybody else did. Uh, 49ers pressured him on, on 40% of his dropbacks. Yeah, I mean, really the only way, like Daniel said, the only way that Seattle can get there if you're on the Seattle side is like kind of through the receiver play. Like those guys have to have big games. So if you're on the Seattle side and you want to correlate, like you would say like, all right, one of these receivers has to pop. Um but man, it's it's just real tough to see Seattle like really. It's tough to see your kind of both sides of this game like going going crazy. That's why the six gamer again. I'm not really on Seattle. Even Ken Walker, there are reasons to fade. But in the short game, uh, leveraging where every like Ken Walker's got to be seventy percent in the two gamer uh, leveraging DK DK or the passing game instead. I'm definitely down for that. Yeah, I mean on Saturday slate, you just need the other game to fail, and you're in the and you're in the and you're in the you're in the, you're in the dance at right. least. And we just saw that Jacksonville has failed just last week. Lawrence is coming off a horrific, horrific game, the battle of the incredible hair. Let's, do we have anything else as far as uh, Seattle, San Fran? Any bold like takes at final scores? Is there going to be a big blowout? Any you know Vegas style takes? I know you guys are at least I know riches in uh, you know states where you can legally wear, wager American dollars on a particular side. Any leans or I think Vegas basically has this right. This is probably my least favorite game for any game sides or any leans uh, for it. So I think the the under or Seahawks team total under would be kind of like my favorite plays, I guess, from this. 16 and a half uh, is that what you're seeing? Is that the, the team yeah, total 16 so like and a half? Yeah. Total and then the game total if you catch the weather side. You got anything there, John, as far as a, a lean or just whatever? Even, even on a short slate? If you're playing the game script game, I'm still willing to play Elijah Mitchell. You can save so much and get up to everywhere else. Uh, six I mean, games. How many touchdowns do you need from Elijah Mitchell, though? <laughs> honestly, though, like, if you had to predict, he gets over 10 carries, right? I think so. But he's not going to catch a pass, and you need That's touchdowns. But gosh, he can get man. 10 carry. He can rush for eight yards a carry on 10 carries, and you don't get he's- shit. He's under he's under five K still for a six game slate though like I'm almost willing to just eat that Rich I swear I, I honestly don't think he's even worth considering Okay <laughs> Well it's not a good well, it's a, it's a good unless the playoff, you get the touchdowns like you have some really luck box in the touchdowns and those two touchdowns he scored on week eighteen were the only two touchdowns he scored all year But if you're running like one fifty on on the Saturday slate like he's got to be in your pool like if you're talking that set specific. You know, two games, the, the backup running back RB2, it's projected to get like, you know, eight to 10 carries. I, uh, I mean, play, and I'm talking about DraftKings specifically. Uh, it probably doesn't matter. I know Rich is still down on him, but that six game as well, I'm telling you, it's tight. Like, uh, that's that's why people naturally, they want to play Vikings Giants, but like Daniel Jones and Kirk Cousins is so cheap. Like, Daniel Jones is going to get played just because the cheap quarterback allows you to open up so much. What if you just spin it instead and play a cheap running back? Um, I don't know. I'm I'm still okay with Elijah Mitchell. I understand I understand the odds I'm going against, but I'm okay with that. I uh, I don't put a ton of stock in Wednesday optimals, but I ran some just to see. This is a six gamer, and the first like three or four have four giants in them, which is like, yeah, come on, what are we doing? On DraftKings, yes, <laughs> yeah, because all the receivers are really cheap. Mm-hmm. And Daniel I don't think Dillon they moved them from cheap. week fourteen. They just keep them there. You know, in the dome, one of the higher, you know, it just feels like one of the games that are most more likely to shoot out, I suppose. Okay, let's talk about uh, 
a game that probably shoots out. We'll see. 47 and a half as far as the total chargers at the Jags. The the Jags are getting two and a half. The disrespect. Um, man, I I, I mean, I, is this isn't the place for it. Man, I, I, the Brandon Staley thing, I'm sure you guys are probably all talked out about it, but the audacity, the absurdity. I, I, I was told he was sharp, but oh my lord. Uh playing his internet players, broken. It, I, Rich, was it just me that was screaming at my team? Like, I, not even, I had no implications. I had no players that mattered for fantasy. I just couldn't believe that he was playing his dudes, even after Mike Williams got hurt, even after Bosa got hurt. He's still playing his dudes because he only has 48 options. And he didn't play anyone in the preseason. So, like, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot that just didn't make sense. That was head-scratching. As someone had the Broncos, uh, you know, Broncos money line, a lot of parlays, yeah. I was tilting myself for a good three quarters. Like, get these guys out of here. Uh, <laughs> you know, we had to sweat that out. Uh, but, yeah, man, it's I don't know what the hell Brand Staley was doing. I, I, it was insane. He's been I, broken I, all year, though. We knew, like, in week two – like he was not the Brandon Staley from that last year. Like he had he had caved under pressure. Like too much was getting to him. He freaky Friday with somebody. I, I don't know who it is. What, what, what coach? What coach got sharper this year? Right? Yeah, internet bullied it. man. The internet broke it, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. We liked him, but he was going for uh, go for it in fourth down. Keep going for it. Don't don't care what everybody says. Forget about the results. It's the process. Okay, Chargers Jags. Uh, you know, John, this is a pretty appealing game. You know, uh, pretty fun pieces to work with. Uh, what side do you want to start on? You want to start with Herbert or Lawrence, Chargers or Jags? I'm so torn by this game because uh, I get paid to have an opinion on the side. And I <laughs> genuinely just, I am, I've, I've had skin in the game on both these teams in the last month and it has not been pretty. So we keep wish casting the, the Chargers into something. They just aren't. There's a reason why Justin Herbert like led the league or was bottom at the league and in air yards per attempt. Um, and why he had poor games for fantasy, at least for our purposes that we're talking about, like 212 yards and no picks against the Colts, or no touchdowns against the Colts. He only had two touchdowns with less than 250 yards against the Rams. Like he's been in tremendous spots over the last month, even with Keenan Allen, and the results haven't been there. And that's a, that's a lot because Austin Eckler is siphoning all these touchdowns, and you can't even like yell touchdown regression for Austin Eckler because he's an absolute monster. Um, but at least we know the Jaguars defense is not good. Like, yes, and over the last month, they ranked tops in EPA per play if you're looking at advanced rates. But at the same time, they've played turnover-prone Dak Prescott, Zach Wilson, Davis Mills, and Josh Dobbs in that span. Um, they're also running the second highest rate of zone coverage, so you would think it's a friendly spot for Allen to pick away with both Keenan Allen and Josh Palmer and Gerald Everett. So I do think Herbert is a high floor. But the ceiling game, I don't want to go overboard and suggest like he's going to blow up since, again, I've tried this many times for the last two months, and it just doesn't happen. Rich, your thoughts? I think uh, Keenan Allen, by the way, just feels like one of the most rock-solid plays in this slate. He played well in the fourth quarter, by the way. (laughs) Scoring his second touchdown like three minutes to go. Uh, Good for him. Uh, Good for the Chargers. Uh, Yeah, Uh, Rich, feel free to to talk about the Chargers. Jump on over to the Jags, whatever you got. This game looks pretty fun. Yeah, I mean, both these defenses are pretty bad. Uh, even the Chargers had like that span, like weeks 14 through 17, where they allowed 17 or fewer points in all of those games. Uh, but it was against the Dolphins, uh, the Titans, the Colts, and the Rams. So, you know, one one dub there against the Dolphins, who kind of had struggled against everybody that during that stretch too. So don't even know how much we put into that. Only the Lions uh, allowed more plays of 30 or more yards this season than the Chargers. They not only allow the most yards per play on first down, 
They also allow the most yards for playing first down runs and first down passes. So you could double dip on that. It doesn't even matter about the chart, like saying, well, oh, the run D kind of inflated that. But nope, they were also 32nd in the NFL and yards allowed for passing playing first down as well. Um, and you just look at both these teams, uh, you know, this game, when it happened in week three, it was 38-10 Jags. It was 16-10 at one point in the third quarter. The Jags rip off like the last 22. That was the Herbert rib fractured rib game where he didn't practice all week. We didn't know if oh, he was okay. going to play. Um, then he ends up playing. Just He just looked awful in that game, and they kind of boat raced him. But outside of that game, uh, the Jaguars, every playoff team that they faced, they got 29 points to the Eagles, 23 to the Giants, 27 to the Chiefs, 27 to the Ravens, 34 to the Cowboys. Um, and then you look at the Chargers, you know, outside of allowing just 17 points to the Dolphins, their playoff teams that they faced, 27, 38, 37, 22, 30 to the other playoff teams. Like th- th- this game could not feature a lot of really strong defensive play in it, uh, which we love to see, you know, on a Saturday night, especially for watching purposes, betting purposes, fantasy purposes, all the purposes. Uh, we want the both these offenses just roll. On the two-game slate, I know, unless you go down to the Seahawks defense, and again, if it's raining and we negate the 49ers' pass rush, maybe there is a reason to do that. You do have to sacrifice one big player on the slate. Assuming we don't get Mike Williams, you can still play Josh Palmer. And so that's what I keep going back to on the short slate, is saying, who am I really trying to sacrifice here? And maybe you could argue Austin Eckler, since his target share has dipped 7%, 14.5%, since Keenan Allen returned. But at the same time, if we're taking away Mike Williams, there's more targets yeah. there logically for him as well. Um, the one player, like you, Dean, said, I am not taking away is Keenan Allen. I think it's a nuclear game here. Keenan Allen now has played eight career games without Mike Williams or with Williams either limited or injured and inactive in that game. And he soaked up 29% of the team's targets, including, you know, last week when he went, uh, just had a volcanic eruption as well. So I do love Keenan Allen the most on the Chargers side. But for the short slate, I just keep coming back to who am I going to play for quarterback if I don't want to play any of these quarterbacks? And so I think we are teetering in the ownership game between Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert. Yeah, about lean there, Rich, as far as Lawrence and Herbert, I, I think they're both pretty interesting. And I guess it's also a question of how do they match up with their uh, with their pairings? Yeah, uh, I, I like Herbert a little bit more just because I like Travis Etienne a lot. <laughs> love know, for natural reasons. So, yeah. like, you know, I, I don't love the run game for the Chargers, right? Like, Eckler, I think, is going to catch, catch more passes than he's caught the last month. And it's tough to, like, even say, like, because there's, there's a couple hands uh, in play here. One is we knew Austin Eckler over the course of the season, like his target rate and the amount of targets he was getting were kind of inflated just by the amount of injuries they had. And that includes the offensive line injuries the Chargers had. Um, but then also like there was also preservation towards the end of the season with him too. So it's kind of like, what do you really stock? And then if, you know, if Mike Williams is out, I think he's going to catch passes basically is what I'm getting to. He's going to catch more passes than he has over the final month. But is he going to be able to run the ball? I mean, the Jaguars, one, allowed only 26 rushing yards to the Chargers and they played early in the year. They've also – they're good against the run, period. I mean, they, they're sixth in the league in yards for carry out the running backs, um, but they're really bad against receiving backs. So I think it's a game where you can get Eckler still if you want to play him in stacks through the air. But I do think on the other side, when you look at it from the Jaguar side, there could be limitations where if Travis Etienne is just that hot, he takes away from – what Trevor Lawrence is doing a little bit. I think Lawrence would be more or less fine. I'm not using that to be like scared off them, but I think that's a separator between Herbert and Lawrence for me is that I just really like Travis Etienne. 
And we and, know he doesn't catch passes. Yeah. He does not. Uh, Etienne, of course, has not had the benefit of playing the Titans in two of his last five games. Titans, of course, who haven't allowed anyone over 60 yards rushing. And Etienne's played him twice in that span and since December. But in the three games in between, Etienne averaged six and a half yards per touch. He didn't get targets. Only totaled nine targets in those three games, but still averaged 10 and a half yards per catch as well. So we can get there just via explosiveness in this game as well from Etienne. For either of you, is there something we're seeing in the defense of the Chargers where the, the, they're more vulnerable to the slot, man, or whatever they're doing, like Kirk, Zay Jones, are they vulnerable to the tight end, Ingram? Um, is there anybody that looks like, you know, on paper before the game starts, incrementally better matchup than, you know, might be the naked eye as far as Kirk, Zay, or Ingram? They're all going to get played to various degrees. They're the only team allowing over 10 yards per target to tight ends. Uh, they've only allowed one touchdown to tight ends all year, though. So you're definitely dependent on explosiveness. But we've seen over the last month, uh, Evan Ingram is at least the kind of player where the Jags will line him up one-on-one and the flat routes against linebackers and, like, concertedly feed him targets. So it's a situation I'm definitely trying to lean on, especially when we look up and it's either pay up for George Kittle in a short slate or pay down for Colby Parkinson. You can probably ignore Ingram on the six-game slate, in my opinion. What about Everett, especially if Williams doesn't go? Rich, go for it. Yeah, I mean, the whole – both of those – I mean, everyone, everyone in the passing game here is really affordable, even Keenan Allen. Uh, and, you know, you brought up the Chargers. The Chargers play a lot of man coverage. Uh, they've been playing a lot more man coverage. They've been blitzing a lot more. Uh, both Christian Kirk and Zay Jones have big bumps against man coverage versus zone coverage. Uh, we've seen Zay Jones. He had 11 targets when these teams played earlier in the year. Uh, so, and he's cheap when like, you know, what you're going to get with Zay Jones, right? Like you're buying the targets. We don't know if they're going to be good always, but he is going to get targeted. Uh, he's really cheap. You could play him. Uh, I don't mind, you know, going down to Everett, especially I think on the four gamer. Cause if Kittle fails, like that just opens the door for everybody, right. Uh, to get there. And if you're just going to pay, if Kittle doesn't get there, you, you save your salary, right? None of the, no one else is probably going to crush you. Uh, you know, Evan Ingram had that one monster game against the Titans, but no one else probably crushes you. Uh, and you can just chase the touchdowns with Everett. Jaguars also have been bad against tight ends. We saw that again in play the final week of the season with Chicken Conco getting there and Austin Hooper overs getting there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this game really doesn't have anyone that's like hands off, right? Like, yeah, that's the thing. Like this game really doesn't have anyone where it's like we talked about guys in the 49ers game, like saying like not the greatest spot for this like guy, right? Like not Kenneth Walker, not Brandon. Ayuk. like those guys are gonna need a big play to get there. Um, but like here, like it's hard to really tear down anyone in this game. Um, I, I will try to tear it down by this suggestion, but I'm just saying the short slate on DraftKings, not optimal for FanDuel, only one tight end position. But the short slate in DraftKings, maybe you mess around with Donald Parham. He's the kind of person with his Ooh. route rate in consecutive games increasing since he returned from injury. He's the kind of person like basically at minimum that could mess around and like have 30 or 40 yards and that tilt in your direction in this slate. So I would probably mess around with Donald Parham if you're playing Justin Herbert in the short slate. Yeah. See, I can support that. Like if I can support just chasing a touchdown from a tight end, uh, I could definitely get on board with that. So, but yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to really kind of go crazy. I will say too, like probably one of these defenses could be get there because this game could have just a lot more passing than the other game. And the 49ers are going to be so heavily owned like on this two game slate on Saturday that like, man, you can easily just be different by not playing the 49ers. 
Do we know uh, Derwin James if his availability on a Wednesday night at this point? I haven't. I haven't followed. I haven't seen to see if he's practicing or not. Okay. Do not yeah. know by Wednesday. Yes. Okay, and I, I think Bosa was dinged as well last game, and Williams. Maybe Williams goes and just goes under own because people are afraid. And like that guy's had many games where it seems like he gets injured mid game, just kind of gives it a go. Like he was on a cart last week. That's never a good sign. But back injuries are scary, man. Uh, Cause you never know, like just when, when it, cause it's hard to shoot up a back injury, right? Like you can tore it all up, but like, yeah, man, but like backs. I mean, the type of receiver he is too, with a back injury, like it's not like he gets separation. He just wins those contested catches. And also the Jaguars have been pretty airtight on the boundary. Like that's where they defend their best. So that's why I just continue to lean more into Keenan Allen. I hope he does play because that also draws some ownership. Cause he's probably like a very low ceiling touchdown or bust type of guy in yep. this game. I got the Jags winning. Who's with me. I like the first half over in a game total over. <laughs> I don't I get paid to have a lean I don't have a lean I don't have any <laughs> I, I can't imagine both of these defenses are so bad that I feel like whatever side you on there are going to be various points during that game where you feel good and you feel awful about the side yeah I, I I don't trust this game in any direction I have no idea all right you might have some more conviction the Dolphins up in Buffalo well uh, I I well, will say uh too if you want to go to that home dogs uh in wildcard weekend notoriously awful uh, mm. but we have two this week, the Bucks, the Bucks and the Jags, uh, since the NFL expanded to 32 teams, they are five and 13 straight up, uh, pulling out dubs. Uh, so both lines are tight. Might, might be, uh, what about super wild card weekend? You have those stats? Uh, well, <laughs> I, I do, I could look them up probably, but, uh, <laughs> I can say too, we didn't talk about Seattle since the NFL went to these seven, the seven team playoffs, the seven seeds, none of them have been within a touchdown in terms of point spread. And only one of them have covered. Interesting. Um, Thanks right. NFL for adding that seven, <laughs> that seven. Seed. But Hey, it's close football, Rich. That's true. It's it's almost like it's a business and they want to make yeah, more money. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, listen, I'm playing. I'm going to bet on these games and play all these slates too. So they got me. I'm part of the problem. I already have dummies loaded up from every single 24 hours. So yeah, I'm ready to go. I want to watch Skylar Thompson play three hours of football. No, you don't. No, trust is, me, you do not. Is it going to be Teddy? Or you're just, it, I just don't want, you're saying I don't want to do it. No, I'm saying you do not want to watch Skylar Thompson play professional football. I will make well, I, that statement right now. I, I mean, if you're a Dolphins things. fan, like obviously you want to support your team and like watch them play in the playoffs. But like, all you're going to do is get angry because yeah. like <laughs> Skylar Thompson's been so bad. I mean, they averaged four and a half yards per play with Skylar Thompson in the game. Uh, with Teddy, it's been 5.9, 6.7 with Tua. Uh, so like Teddy's been fine. Like the offense has been productive. The problem is Teddy just hasn't been able to stay in the field. And it sounds like he's probably a longer shot to play. Uh, with Skylar Thompson in the game, 51% of the Dolphins set of downs have gone to third down. They've only converted yeah. 31% of those. And they've only converted 7% of third and longs. Uh, Tyreek's averaging five yards per target with Skylar Thompson in the game. Mm -hmm. I mean, because it's a, you can't even entertain Tyreek or Waddle because not only do they – you because at their salaries, a big play doesn't get you there. Like at their salaries, like they have to be able to push 25, 30 points, right, to like smash. And like not even one big play. Like they need multiple big plays to get there. And I just don't see how Skylar Thompson provides an avenue to that. Like granted, both guys are talented enough to break a big play, but they have to be able to push 30 points. One big play is not enough for either guy. 
I mean, the counterpoint is the ship. You're going to be able to get Tyreek at, you know, ridiculous ownership on a three-game slate. It's a trap, right? man. That's an Akbar. <laughs> I mean, he had, know, he, a Tyreek's salary is what on both sides? He has to get 30 points at his salary. He's 7'9". Yeah. Um, you know, and he's so 85 he has to 25. He has to push 25 and, points to justify and that there salary. Are, and there are some hot spots like for like CD Lamb and Justin Jefferson. My word. Yeah, we just talked about Keenan Allen at 7K. Uh, man, I mean, Tyreek Hill has to blow that salary out of the water. And I don't see like a range of outcomes for that to happen with Skylar Thompson. For reference too, like Rich said, five yards per target from Skylar Thompson. Like that's literally more than double the yards per target he was averaging from Tua. Like he was averaging <laughs> over 10 yards per target from Tua. So like, wow. it, I just don't know what this offense, and remember um, against the Bills, their last matchup where Tua didn't even play good. At least they had the explosive plays because Tua could complete passes over the middle of the field. The Jalen Waddle had that big 80 yard touchdown, but also they called the Dolphins schemed a, uh, a high and run play rate with Tua post buy. Like they called 23 running back carries and Raheem Mostert averaged eight yards per carry. He had, he had a 20 yard catch and he probably won't even be in this game, honestly. So I just don't know the powerhouses they can even bring. I don't know the energy, the the juice, the explosiveness they have in this game, honestly. Yeah. Mostert has a, was it a broken thumb? I believe. Yeah. Uh, um, hasn't practiced through Wednesday finger surgery. I believe he went through and they said he still might play, but I just can't imagine it. Yeah, and, and Wilson's already led the team in snaps and touches the past three yep. weeks, anyways. So, and we're talking about this because that kind of projected performance then uh, kind of soaks up the Bills' offense as well. Like it lowers their ceiling too. You can see this being a Devin Singletary, James Cook game instead. Well, at least the Dolphins are good against the run, and uh, at least we know the Bills will will keep pushing. Try to so. Uh, James Cook had more touches last week than Singletary, I believe. Uh, was Singletary that- lost the fumble. Yes, that's what I was getting. Do you think he was getting punished for the fumble, or do you think that you know w- where is it going to lie this week? And how much, you know, let's say Buffalo's up by two touchdowns and you know ten minutes to go in the fourth quarter. What running back is grinding that game out? Is it Singletary? Or is it Cook? I feel like it's probably Cook. I don't know. I mean, we can say Cook, but literally twice in the last six games, Cook has out-touched Devin Singletary and then literally been rendered useless. Just had the had the entire reign stripped from him for six touches or less in that time. So uh, there's really no way to predict it. I would say James Cook as well. He's so cheap on the big six-gamer, which again, we're trying to find one value spot here at running back at least uh, since the build kind of, sets up for, as you mentioned earlier in the show, Dean, cheap Giants receivers and then pay up at running back. So I, I, I am definitely open to James Cook in the big, in the long slate. But overall, yeah, of course, the rug could get pulled out from all of us. And yeah, the Dolphins, I said, Dolphins third in yards for carry allowed to running backs. They have a lot of first down or touchdown on just 17% of those carries. That's also third in the NFL. But where they're bad is running backs out of the backfield. I mean – uh, in two games against the Bills, Buffalo running backs have combined for 32 carries, 138 zero touchdowns, but they've caught 22 passes for 186 yards and three touchdowns. So it's it's kind of like just who gets kind of the receiving work this game. I think is going to be the kind of the guy. Um, I'm not I'm not really looking at it from a rushing stance because I don't think there's enough ceiling there for any of the guys. Now Cook is cheap enough to where like he you can if you get a couple a nice amount of catches on DraftKings, like he can actually hit but 
man. It not, where, are the, where are the ceilings for any of these guys, man, on the Bills' backfield? And then, you know, as far as the offense, obviously Allen's awesome. Diggs, we saw a big game from him last week. But, Rich, like we want some sort of punchback from Miami. And, you know, it doesn't sell – neither one of you guys are selling that. They have a 15-team total, it looks like right now. They're, what, 13-and-a-half-point dogs, 40, you know, 43 total in the game. Um, you know, how much does the Buffalo and Allen and Diggs actually have to do? Uh, Rich, you know, obviously got to put some kind of score up. But they're going to be pushing in the fourth quarter. Uh, where as far as spending all the way up on Allen and Diggs as a combination? Diggs looks really pretty great priced. Uh, definitely probably a flop lag spot for him against the Dolphins. It was last week for him anyways. But, like, he just missed a monster game against the Dolphins on mm-hmm. that Saturday night game. He dropped a touchdown pass that then Dawson Knox caught his touchdown the very next play. Uh, Josh Allen overthrew him on a, on a ball where he was behind the defense for, like, a potential 60-yard touchdown. And in that game, the Dolphins played man coverage 58% of the time. It was the highest rate in the league that week. And we know Diggs has kind of been a guy we want to target when he's going to get man coverage. Uh, He's been targeted on 32% of his routes against man coverage. Only Justin Jefferson has more receptions against man coverage than Stephon Diggs. Uh, And we know that our boy Gabe Davis does not do well against the man coverage. Uh, So no one's really contributing still outside of like really digs. We've got a little bit of Dawson Knox touchdown production, but he's not catching like a lot of passes for a lot of yards. So, I mean, a lot of signs still point to digs. He's, he's pretty reasonably priced where he's at. Another guy that's priced right next to uh, Tyree kill. Yeah. I mean, obviously ownership's going to be on digs more so than Hill, but that was my only argument, but I wasn't sitting there saying, I think Hill's going to be a big game. It's just, I'm just playing game theory with that thought process. Like, you know, you're looking for a, a sample size of one. You send it out of 10,000 times. Yeah, Hill's not going to fall to the top very often. But, you know, if, no, if everybody has that approach, you know, that sort of thought process. And, you know, uh, you could get a couple touchdowns and break one for 70 yards in theory, That's I guess. But like you said, he, he probably needs even more than one big play. Uh, John, jump in here. Your thoughts as far as this Bill's passing offense? Honestly, Rich practically summed it up like the reason we played Stephon Diggs was because the Patriots man coverage last week that's the reason we would go right back to Stephon Diggs whether it be the short or uh slate that stretches across three days and then Dawson Knox you're chasing uh, for touchdowns but again that's what we did against the Dolphins last time they played and it worked out so you know uh if you're if you're trying to get the touchdown equity I'm fine with Dawson Knox as a standalone option I don't think you even need Josh Allen rushing yards honestly to get there but otherwise, yeah, there's not much here, honestly. Especially if you don't think the Dolphins are going to compete, then you kind of, again, just find the running back that you think has the passing production. And at least we know James Cook led Devin Singletary in routes run last week. So there's that. Yeah, you look at the Bills. I mean, it's 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 crazy to think about what the Bills have become for fantasy. But even including Stephon Diggs, I mean, the past six games, they haven't had anybody score more than 25 PPR points. Like It, w- it was contrarian to say Stephon Diggs last week because he had been so bad for six games. And it's like, yeah, like these, these dudes just don't get there. Honestly, they're not the Brian Dable bills. They just don't get there. Rich, you got a roster one dolphin. Who are you rostering? Jeff Wilson. Yeah. Is Ahmed kind of sneaky stone men 4k? Again, that's the same thing with Elijah Mitchell, though. Like, even oh, they're a little different. Calm down. Even a touchdown doesn't get you there, right? Like, you need, like, you just don't, like, you just don't have enough meat on the bone. Like, how many passes is he going to catch, right? Like, he can luck box into a. T- he had a touchdown against this team last time, but he had ten points. 
But like, like if that's that not enough, opens up everything. Now all of a sudden you can get no, you don't need it on this slate. You don't need it on this slate. You can get yeah. to all those guys. I have you have no trouble putting Justin Jefferson in a lineup with CD Lamb or Stephon Diggs, uh, any of those guys with with a Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler. But you don't have that. There's no trouble. There's no roadblock that prevents us from doing that. So like, why do we need a James Cook? Why do we need an Elijah Mitchell? Why do we need on, a Salvan Ahmed? God on on fan. On FanDuel, I haven't toyed around with it as much on FanDuel. It's probably a little easier. But, dude, on DraftKings, you got to eat something. Like You you can't get all those guys. Yeah, I do. I, do. I was just on with Holka. We built three lineups for each slate. It was like <laughs> it wasn't even hard. To put, I, I have, to I have had guys. Mitchell or Cook in all of my lineups to get to all these guys. So I'm curious who else you're playing because there's something like there's a 1v1. I'm not seeing eye to eye, and I'm not sure who it is yet. So we can keep going, keep talking. Yeah, I mean it's I mean it's, it hasn't been hard to get to those guys. Uh and and honestly Jeff Wilson's a way stronger player than both of those guys. Anyways. Yeah, yeah, but ownership's going to reflect that as well, yeah. I think. Uh anything else here before we move on? Moving on. All right, Giants, Minnesota 48 and a half is the total Minnesota laying 3 at home in the dome. Pretty big total, 48 and a half. John, I'll let you set the table. Feel free to start where you want. Uh, as we're seeing it right now, looks like those Giants, um, you know, people are going to be – you called it a couple of week, weeks ago. You could certainly stop and say, I don't know now, but you had Isaiah Hodgkins. Uh, you you kind of nailed that one. But, uh, yeah, Richie James. Ken, Kenny Galladay scored a touchdown last week just to troll That's me. a sweet grab, too. Uh, it was nice. Good for him. He still has it. 40, $47 million touchdown. I think um, that was his first touchdown since, like, 2021. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, we, we at okay. least know, and we've talked about this a lot for the last month, but we at least know the Vikings offense has become one-dimensional. Um, Dalvin Cook in his last seven games, 3.4 yards per carry against the Bears, against their backups. He averaged 3.3 yards per carry. Even Alexander Madison got to over five yards per carry on 10 runs. Like, it, this is a Dalvin Cook problem. Whereas Kirk Cousins, like, I think we're eyeing a 50-attempt game here if this one, like, brings points along because he averaged 48 attempts in three games prior to getting kicked off the field in the third quarter against the Packers due to a blowout, but still had 31 passes to that point. And then last week stayed in for the first half through 20 passes. So they know they are strictly a passing team because they can't run the ball. And so I think that's the direction we're about to head here is just lots of passing volume. And I still lean Justin Jefferson just because yes, like the giants actually ran more zone coverage just a couple of weeks ago, last time they played Minnesota, but just still in being a team that leads the league in blitz rate, leads the league in man coverage because of that, since they leave their cornerbacks on an island and we're expecting them to get healthier and thus blitz more. Uh, we know Justin Jefferson is fourth in yards per route run against man coverage since TG Hawkinson was acquired in week nine because Hawkinson helps alleviate the middle of the field and take coverage away. Also 20 yards per catch against man coverage in that span as well with a 30% target share over TG Hawkinson. So I'm flop lagging. Justin Jefferson's 194 yards that didn't get there. Uh, I think he's the best play on the slate regardless of the outcome of this game because there is slight reasons to actually fade this game. I'm, I'm sure Rich is on that stance as well, especially in the the big slate where like everyone's going to play this one, but overall I still think Justin Jefferson's an awesome play. Rich, are you uh, fully prioritizing Jefferson or, you know, obviously salaries, uh, not salary ownership, ownership's an issue as well. And he's not, yeah, he's not going to hide in this slate for sure. 
Um, yeah, your thoughts as far as Jefferson, Jefferson doesn't hide anywhere. No. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think people will be on him. And, and again, this game, when you look at uh, even if you incorporate the Saturday, I mean, this game is in is the only indoor game, and then on the Sunday slate, it's really kind of the only game that has potential, like real strong back and forth potential. So it's going to be really popular. A lot's going to orbit around the stacks in this game. I do think there are some sneaky ways to this game to really disappoint and, uh, mm-hmm. and go under. I think first half under is, is something I'm definitely looking at in this game. I mean, this game was 13 to 10 through three quarters last time. And then like the fourth quarter went nuts because that's what every game that involves these two teams does. I mean, <laughs> these are two of the worst first half teams. Uh, they're the, the two teams that have the most wins in the NFL trailing in the second half uh, in the NFL. Uh, the Vikings have eight wins where they trailed in the fourth quarter this year, uh, which is absolute bananas. Um, no other team had more than five. Um, and the, the both of these teams are top five in point differential in the fourth quarter. So, like, I think first half under is, like, a, a real nice move here. This also, if I know betting the Vikings is, is never easy, but, you know, it does fall into one of those other trend spots that's historically bad for the Giants. I mean, you got a first-time – playoff quarterback uh against a quarterback with player playoff uh experience in those spots uh since the nfl expanded the playoffs uh, those guys are 11 and 32 straight up uh just 14 and 29 against the spread so if you are a giants backer and i know many are, are out there this week uh definitely on the wrong side of that trend we'll see if they can kind of overcome that but the vikings defense may allow it i mean this is the worst defense in the postseason uh they rank 30th in yards for play they were 28th in scoring rate allowed per drive. The Giants this season were dead last in the NFL in plays of 20 or more yards. When they faced the Vikings, they <laughs> had a season-high five plays of 20 or more yards and a season-high 445 yards from scrimmage. Uh, even the Vikings let them get there. Like This has completely been a non-explosive play offense, and the Vikings were like, here you go. We do this to everybody. So, yeah, this game definitely has, like, avenues, I think, big picture to get there. But I think early it takes a while to ramp up like it did last time. This first matchup was also just one of two games Daniel Jones went over 40 attempts all year, the other being the Lions. And I think that's because Dable does cater his offense and play calling to the opponent. But, yes, I, I think it could sneakily go under as opposed to what everyone else is thinking. Hey, Rich, explain that. I'm curious your thought process. Like some coaches script the first 10, 15 plays. You know, there's adjustments at halftime. Do you think these coaches don't script? Do they script poor plays? Why do they always scuffle out the box and figure it out in the second half? Yeah, it's tough to say, like really to pinpoint on a case. I think it's more of a case-by-case basis. I mean, with the Giants in general, like this is a team that's really tried to do a lot of different things to maximize the talent that they're putting out. I mean, look at the receivers. We've named them all, right? Like, <laughs> you know, that they're playing. And then you look at Daniel Jones, and like everyone's talked about how he hasn't turned the ball over this year. Well, he's never put in a spot to turn the ball over. They don't throw deep. Everything's a bootleg. Every, you know, he, he, he's third in the NFL and passes outside the pocket. They move, move him around. He's never in a spot where he throws over the middle of the field. So, like, he doesn't have turnovers as a by-proxy of, like, well, one, they don't have the playmakers to put him in those spots. They don't call those plays. And then, two, they're just kind of manipulating uh, around that talent as well. So that's why he hasn't turned the ball over, though. It's not like Daniel Jones is out here, you know, throwing, like, you know, strikes 20 yards downfield and not turning the ball over, right? Like, it's been a nursing job to get there. Some of it's kind of masked. Uh, It's curious because they probably are boxed into bringing him back next year and seeing this thing through. And – to be fair, they should. And you see what happens when they get more talent, especially, you know, 
you know, where they finish the season. Like they're not going to be in an optimal spot to add like a really strong quarterback. So um, they should roll them back, maybe something like a Jameis Winston contract. But if you go into the honeypot too far, you're at risk here uh, for sure. Um, Cause if you can get this out of Daniel Jones, what can you get out of a better talent? Right. Like, so it's going to be interesting to see how that, that whole plays out in the, the off season and Saquon Barkley probably played himself into a contract extension with the team too. And we know historically giving running backs the second contract. So it's going to be interesting to see what Joe Shane, uh, how he handles this off season. Cause two really interesting kind of things played out this season for the giants uh, between Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley uh, for sure. In a micro sense as well, uh, you were mentioning it, Dean, and I will flag plant Richie James over oh, Isaiah, oh, Isaiah Hodgins this week because, and we've talked about this again over the last month, what the Vikings are trying to do. They're just throwing stuff at the wall, hoping it sticks because their defense is so bad. And then in their last five games, they've run the sixth highest rate of man coverage um, and have actually improved from the boundary by a significant margin, but still allowing the second most touchdown to slot receivers and the second most yards per game in the slot in that span. And from weeks 12 through 17, whenever Richie James returned to the starting lineup and from injury, he's the only Giants player who's seen over 20% of the team's targets. So I do like Richie James, a house call here over Isaiah Hodgins in both the short and three-day slate. By the way, the, the Daniel Jones things, I was talking about this uh, with somebody today earlier. Uh, he feels like, you know, quarterback hell, man. Uh, he's good enough where you don't feel an urgency to replace him, but not good enough where he's actually going to win you anything. Uh, it kind of like, like a Jake Plummer or something like that, or a Jared Goff. I don't know. Um, like having like the eight seed every single year in the NBA where you're just sort of stuck and you can't go up and you can't go down. Like we, Rich, if your favorite team signed Daniel Jones for a four-year contract, like you're not excited. You want as many darts possible at, you know, a, a chance to path for a top five, top six, top seven quarterback. I don't know. Do you agree with me in this take? I, I think I wouldn't be excited in my favorite team. I don't, again, he's not terrible. He's just good enough to be fine, but he's, I think this is kind of it, right? This is, this is a ceiling. I think. Yeah. I think if you're the giants, you're hoping to get something in the ballpark and you're going to have to pay a little bit more, but what the saints did with Jameis Winston, right? Like that's what kind of what you're hoping for. Like, a. Uh, you know, maybe you do like a, an incentive based deal where you can make, you know, 20 million over like the next two to three years, but you're not doing like that five to six year deal. Right. Like, yeah. And then, you, and then you have some outs built in there. Uh, that's kind of what I think you're looking for. If you're the Giants, something around there. And if you're the Daniel Jones camp, you're definitely not looking for that. You're looking for that five or six and, year deal. And what the hell is an NFL offense nowadays? Anyways, like we, we just had a Super Bowl era 4.7 yards per carry happen because the rules <laughs> like allow teams. And maybe we're just because we're stuck with a prehistoric stone age of play callers, but also because it's easiest to run the ball now. So, I, like, we are top-heavy. Like, I think we have some of the best quarterbacks ever to play, but only, like, the top six. From that point yeah. forward, like, Derek Carr is a hot name because he's a product of bad quarterbacking. So, I don't even know, like, what a league-average quarterback is anymore. Ba- yeah, I mean, people- you have Daniel Jones in the NFC, so it's, like, a little bit different. But, like, yeah. ev- eventually the big picture, though, is how are you beating Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh yes. Allen, like – I mean, if, if you're anyone at home and you watch that Chiefs like Bills game in the playoffs last week, like you have to be thinking like, is our quarterback good enough to do that? Because they have to do that, right? Like, yeah, your answer is no, but yeah, <laughs> you know, and that has to be. And if your answer is no, you have to keep trying to find that guy. 
Yeah, as opposed to signing, you know, the 17th best quarterback. And that's the thing. Carr could be like the 12th best or 11th best. But what's the difference between 20? If you really kind of look at all the names, like they're all kind of the same. Um, yeah, I want the 30th I, I second. Mean, I want the worst quarterback instead of the 15th best quarterback. Is kind of the point I made. Jared Goff just had a career year, his best year ever. And people have been talking like, and, and maybe they do. I don't think they do. But people have been talking as if like, yeah, they should definitely bring Jared Goff back. No, 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 no. Like that's that's not our that's not the goal of a franchise here. You want to, especially the way they built their team. You want to take that quarterback cheap four year contract on a rookie deal, and then yes. build keep building around those four years. That's what you want to do. Jared Goff can be the best bridge in the NFL, and he's gonna have a great career for it. But I, you want to attribute Ben Johnson more than Jared Goff. Can I get a Hawkinson take before we move on? Anybody have a, a hot take as far as TJ Hawkinson? This is for the field. I mean. Everyone's going to box score hunt, and he scored two touchdowns with over 100 yards the last time he played the Giants. So I, I think he is a fine play if you think this game goes over. Uh, and the three-game slate, it's Fandle, it's four-game, right? It's a Saturday night and three-game Sunday? Or is it just Sunday and Monday? No, I, think I don't know. You can do Saturday, Sunday. Okay, I keep referencing three days as the Saturday, Sunday, and six-gamer, but Fandle could have... Uh, parsed it differently and I'm not sure how but at least on Sunday you know we don't we just don't have many options like that's why you would take the Dawson Knox less rostered touchdown outlook even though the floor is disastrous but who cares at tight end over TJ Hawkinson who's going to be literally 30-40% more rostered that's my view of it Fano does have a Sunday through Monday but it's not a huge like their biggest contest what I'm seeing right now it's like 20,000 yeah so Yeah, and, it's and not, DraftKings it's not. is doing the split millies, right? Uh, yeah, draft. I think DraftKings did a good job. Honestly, they they even had some like smaller field, fifteen dollar, hundred k to first payouts. Honestly, they, I think DraftKings did a really good job this week. It's kind of a tough spot too, like two, three, one, three separate days. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's tough to make. And of course, you know they want to rake it as much as they can. So, uh, you know, and we're all going to be playing them. I think we are. <laughs> Mm, uh, on a two-game slate, I'm playing a million. Like, imagine, <laughs> imagine not burning that twenty bucks. Like, hell yeah, I'm in. All right, um, let's move on. Baltimore, Cincinnati, forty and a half is the total. Cincinnati is an eight and a half favorite. Baltimore. Um, do we know who officially is going to be their quarterback? It's still guesswork. It doesn't seem like it's going to be it's Lamar. not Lamar Jackson. That's what you need to know. That's okay. yeah. That's all. Yeah, that not Lamar. Is Four game slate. All that matters. Not Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Um, which offense is going to be more efficient, Rich? Is it going to be Miami or Baltimore? Baltimore. Yeah, by a nose. I mean, Skyler Thompson is that bad. At least Baltimore can run the ball. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> so um, I would edge them. And, you know, listen, I mean, Anthony Brown, they, they had some counting stats last week. They're, you know, uh, we got that. We got, we luckily got the Mark Andrews inactive, which opened up tight end last week at the in the 11th hour of building lineups. Uh, and gave us Isaiah Likely to throw into these cash game lineups so we didn't have to play Albert Wigmanam and or Colby Parkinson. Well, uh, one you- of us did. One of us did still. Uh, oh, I chose yeah. poorly. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Same price, too, basically, for Likely and Alberto. And, you know, I was on the Denver right side. At I, the man. Arrest everybody. But, I, went, yeah. I went Logan Thomas on DraftKings, to be fair. Uh, I mean, listen, I was into that group of guys, too, until they were like, Mark Andrews and playing. I was like, cool, all right, we can at least throw this at the wall. Uh, yeah. And, and, and that, saved, that saved a lot of things. Um, 
uh, definitely boosted up the, the the day. But I mean, the Ravens, since even with Lamar, since their Week Ten buy have scored a touchdown on nine point four percent of their drives. Only the Jets were worse over that span. Uh, and the worst part about this is, is the Ravens defense is good enough to just give the Bengals enough problems, like where they don't have ceiling weeks. Uh, the Bengals in two games against the Ravens have averaged 4.9 yards per play and four yards per play against everyone else. They've averaged 5.6 yards per play. So it's one of these games where it sucks because the, there's probably not a scenario where the Ravens can score enough points with the Bengals, even at half mass scoring, but also the Ravens are good enough to like hold the Bengals down from like going crazy. And that sucks. That's a bummer. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Bengals it could be also, like like a twenty three to ten or like twenty six to ten or twenty six thirteen type of game where just yeah. like it sucks. It just sucks. That's that's why I think the Bing, I think the Ravens defense is the sneakiest play across the slate. Honestly, in this game, I, I expect it to go way under um, because the Bengals remember lost Lyle Collins in the first quarter against the Patriots, and yeah. everyone was asking like what happened to the passing offense in the second half, and then last week lost an All Pro player in Alex Kappa uh, at right guard for the re- for the rest of the postseason. It sounds like, and over his last seven quarters, Joe Burrow has averaged five point four yards per attempt with two touchdowns and two interceptions. So I expect this to be a low scoring game. And yeah, I think my play here is the Ravens defense. Yeah. And uh, off the top of my head, I feel like Burrow takes a lot of sacks. I don't feel the number on that top of your head, but um, mm-hmm. I, it's, I just feel like that's the case. And obviously losing two uh, top linemen. I'm hearing betting the under. Hey, that's what I'm hearing. 40 and a half is too high. I, I personally like the under. It may not be everyone's uh, decision, but also that's that's the reason because they're seeing these two high safeties because they have no protection. Like that's the reason Joe Mixon has seen 14 targets in his last two games as well. So you can also play Joe Mixon for a, a high floor, uh, especially if everyone thinks there's a ceiling outcome. Because I just I just do not personally see a ceiling game from the passing offense from the Bengals here. Rich Bengals. Yeah, I mean that's kind of you know was the was the lead in there that it's probably not a spot where yeah. these guys get there. We know the ceiling does exist for these guys, but you are paying for it with everybody, including Mixon. Um, yeah, I mean you know obviously I'm not gonna talk anyone out of it. Jamar Chase. He's got seven catches in each of his past eight games, so there is like a high floor there too. But again, like Chase is another guy. Like he's got to get 25 to 30 on a slate like this to like really max out what you're paying. Um, and does he is he gonna get there? Uh, T Higgins has really kind of wide splits this year with and without chase on the field. We, we know that these guys are capable, but like they haven't bankable like these, you know, the non chase guys. So 
it's really tough to like be a fall in love with a lot of these guys. And Baltimore's defense has been good, uh, like we said, and, it, and and they've played an, a miserable schedule like over the back half. Like they face nothing but bums, but they have been good both times against the Bengals. Like so, like they've been in the Bengals. They've been kind of a thorn in the Bengals' efficiency. So that probably exists again. Uh, I don't see a game where like the Bengals really run the ball well though. So that does help if you're on the passing side. It's just, it's ugly. I mean, I think J.K. Dobbins is probably pretty interesting in this game. Another guy that's priced in that range, like with uh, Jeff Wilson. Uh, you know, when we saw him last in week 17, he had 75% of the backfield touches. We don't know if Gus Edwards is going to play. He's in concussion protocol. It's kind of also like hell or high water time with the Ravens, and they rested him last week. So they might just feed him, right, for a week. Yeah. Like, it's it's it it's the season right like it's and he's been an explosive player he's another guy like you know kind of like Kenneth Walker where you only need a, a couple carries to really kind of get there and 17 and a half percent of his carries for 10 or more yards that's third among all running backs with 50 or more carries so we know he's not going to catch a lot of passes though that's kind of like the dredge <laughs> but he is priced at least like where we're going to see ownership on like guys like ETN he's below ETN he's right above Jeff Wilson he's kind of in like that purgatory area and the fact uh, Jamar Chase is the most expensive player on the three-game slate on DraftKings is pretty significant. Yeah, uh, let's see. Jefferson is eight four, and Chase is eight k. Uh, Hill is seven nine. Oh, maybe I got there. Okay. Lamb is seven seven. Uh, looking at unless I mean the salaries Six, can't seven. be different. I'm looking at the salary yeah. their Monday slate. I can't imagine. No. How no. This, they wouldn't do that, right? I wouldn't think so. That would be a goofy thing to do. But um, at least according to what I'm looking at Saturday through Monday, Jefferson, most expensive. But yeah, Chase, a little bit more expensive than Hill. Lamb is there. And then Diggs. Yeah, Diggs and Allen probably, you know, depending on how much salary you need, those those both look pretty solid, as we talked about already. Um, anything else of note that we should kind of mention in this game? Burrow stacks, you know, uh, again, how much does he have to do is part of the question, but he probably gets in good positions. So this Baltimore offense falters several times. Uh, how do we feel about Burrow stacks, Rich? Yeah. I mean, same thing we kind of alluded to. I mean, the ceiling hasn't been there in these two games that they faced uh, the Ravens, uh, you know, last week, just 5.1 yards for past them. They were going for it too. Like the dude threw 42 passes, like they were going for mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, we have a six quarter sample without Leal Collins and he's averaged five and a half yards for pass attempt. It's just, man, it's just, it's really hard to love it. Right. Like it, it exists, but you got to pay for it. It's yeah. not like it, you, you would only play it because you don't think the field is going to play it. And like, that's not, that's only strategy. That's not actually like a sound micro analysis reason. Yeah, yeah, that's the Tyreek Hill discussion. <laughs> we had. Even I mean, these guys, these guys have better floors and stuff than Tyreek Hill, but yeah, uh, there will be ownership still. Like, like Burrow's not going to just completely go like overlooked on a three game slate, right? Like, and Chase no. isn't either. It's not it, like the Tyreek Hill thing. So, it might be better strategy to just leave three K on the table and just avoid it. Honestly, <laughs> as the slates get smaller and smaller, like I, I don't know how much you guys uh, you do showdown content, if it's, uh, you know, jumping on those, but. Showdown content's wild because it's like, this is a great play. That's why you don't play him. This is a terrible play. That's why you play him. Like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and that's like, I was, I feel like I'm sounding like that with Hill, but like, you know, Hill have real upside, but I understand why. Yeah. That's, it's just, it's the, the worst doing showdown content because it's just. The, 
I I do play like small stake showdown just to have skin in the game, but the the older I get, just like the more I need showdown. That's why I play it almost like just a <laughs> syringe to the vein because I can't watch primetime football without it. Yeah, that that's fair. Give give me a, a John, you got to play you got to play a Raven. What Raven are you picking? Pick one. Your favorite Ravens Raven. defense. I'll flag plant Ravens defense. I think they're oh, the best player. The, uh, yeah, the I, I mean they're players. They're they're gonna be. I mean they're gonna be significantly under roster compared to the field. I think they're a great contrarian play. I like that call. I think that's a good call. You, you have a, a lean here, Rich. As far as the, you got to run somebody back in Baltimore. You don't have to, obviously. Yeah, I mean I would say Dobbins would probably be the guy. I mean not none of the wide receivers. They're you, not even you, playing their wide receivers anymore. Like it, it's crazy. <laughs> Uh, like Demarcus Robinson hasn't even run a route on 80% of the dropbacks in the past five games. Like they're just playing three tight ends. They've like, our receivers are so bad. We're not going to put them on the field a lot. It's, it's absolutely wild. Knowing this blocking tight ends or have they, will they play Andrews and like, they've been playing Josh Oliver a lot too recently. So like they've been playing the the three tight ends. (laughs) So this is the Sunday night game. So we won't get the news until later, which is good. Everyone's had beers with their friends. They won't be late swapping. Do you think though, Rich, J.K. Dobbins will be high rostered, give, assuming we already know Gus Edwards will not play and the concussion protocol. Uh, if that news doesn't come out until Saturday, do you think that makes a difference? Because that's kind of where I'm at. Like, J.K. Dobbins could be high rostered since we pretty much know Edwards won't play given that he just suffered a concussion last week. But on FanDuel, fan I think, on, actually on both sides, I think he'll be popular where he's priced on the Sunday slate, okay. probably under-owned on the full uh, you know, five game and six games you play. That's what I need but on the sun- Sunday slate, I don't think I think his salary just won't go overlooked because you have the higher priced wide receivers, um, uh, and he's just probably he's just a better football player than Jeff Wilson. So like people will play him over Jeff Wilson. Um, but it is easy to do it because you know there's a, a multiple ways on the Sunday slate where the top running backs don't get there. Like Mixon's largely been a floor play. Uh, Dalvin Cook, like you said, has struggled, and and Saquon at his salary is another one of these guys that like he hasn't justified his salary really at all since early in the season. All right, gonna talk about the money game in just a second. Before we do that, do want to mention Thrive, sponsor of the podcast. Appreciate Thrive. Join in on the fantasy prop action this NFL season with Thrive Fantasy. Easy to play, no salary cap style contest revolves around over under style player props. Each prop has a fantasy score associated with the prop. The riskier the prop happens to be, the higher the fantasy score. You'll rack up the most points for your share of the prize pool. Use the promo code GRINDERS, that's G-R-I-N-D-E-R-S, when you sign up for a deposit bonus up to $250, as well as getting free tickets. Terms and conditions apply. Check out Roto-Grinders' review page for Thrive Fantasy and the description for more information Producer Steve's going to throw up the Thrive props on the screen. Going to give the people a couple winners. I know I sent you guys in the email as well. There's a couple different Thrive ones that hopefully are on the right page. I picked the Sunday one, which uh, we have three games to pick from. So hopefully Steve is on the same page. Otherwise, we'll just figure it out here on the fly. Uh, John, let's give the people uh, something we like, some of the leans. Feel free to be as ambitious as you want to be with the over-unders on Thrive. We are scrolling through it all right now. <laughs> and oh, I get 20, I get 20 more points for Justin Jefferson over 105 and a half receiving yards. That's a large number, but I'll take yeah. the juice. I do not care. I'm taking the juice. 
because I think it's such a good splits against man coverage for him. Um, I'm looking at everything else here. Gosh, this is the tough one. Thrive has been pretty friendly. This is they've been rough here to us because I don't even know if Devin Singletary gets there. I might lean towards James Cook. They don't have a prop for. So I will go. Hmm. Uh, I'll take Dalvin Cook under any touchdowns, basically no touchdown Dalvin Cook game for a 40-point juice, 120 to 80 as well. That also helps us. It's it's almost correlation with Justin Jefferson prop. And, yeah, I don't that at all. And, uh, well, Rich, you can take J.K. Dobbins. I don't want to steal your props. It's a shorter <laughs> slate. Yeah, yeah, This is uh, these are all Sunday games. Yeah. Um, yeah. They have different yeah. contests. I didn't want to pull everything yeah, up. It looks though, like yeah. you're going to have to eat a few here. Like, you know, Kirk Cousins over 250 and a half pass, passing yards. Um, you know, we don't always want to just go chase the more more and less, right? Like we want to uh, at least take our good points when they're there. And it's not like a huge gap. It's only a difference of 10 points. So I would say that would be one I'd be willing to eat. Uh, yeah, the Dobbins one is cool. Uh, listen, Mark Andrews for 63 receiving yards or more for a 40 point swing. Like, I mean, who else are they throwing to when they throw, right? Isaiah likely just had hundred yards against them. Uh, Andrews, I think had 90 earlier in the season against them. So yeah, for 40 point swing, I'll, I'll get down to Mark Andrews. It doesn't have to be pretty to get there. We've never seen Anthony Brown throw to Mark Andrews. Who knows what's capable? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Maybe Mark Andrews is the guy you need. That's the guy you need. (laughs) All right, check it out uh, on Thrive Fantasy. Again, use the promo code GRINDERS, G-R-I-N-D-E-R-S, when you sign up for a deposit bonus up to $250 as well as free tickets. Okay, Monday night. This game this game should have a lot of plays. I was looking at the Cardi's Blitz uh, game-level factors. Dallas at Tampa Bay. Let me get the most re- – I wrote this down yesterday as far as the line. Let me see if this has changed – so well, the Buccaneers run the most plays because they run a lot of bad plays, which forces them <laughs> to run more plays. <laughs> 45 and a half is the total. Uh, Bucks getting two and a half at home. Uh, Dallas kind of limping in that terrible performance there against Washington. Um, yeah, I just thought it was interesting because if you have all the games lined up, right, as far as projected plays, this one's projected for almost 10 more. 143.4 games. Next is Giants. Uh, let's see. I think the Giants game is next, I believe. Yeah, Giants Minnesota 134.3 and that also in part they play a lot of play, a lot of bad plays uh Rich and a lot of bit bad, bad plays fast. I'll do a quick here's a terrible play and here's another terrible play 10 seconds later. Yeah, remember volume and efficiency uh are are correlated. Uh so <laughs> if you're really bad, you're going to need to run more plays. All right, feel free to uh whichever side you want to attack by all means go for it. Dealer's choice. Rich you go first. Man, it's it's tough. Like this is a very intriguing game because the Cowboys yeah. have really struggled defensively, but are the Bucks the team to take advantage of it? I mean, no team in the NFC scored a touchdown at a lower rate per drive than the Buccaneers this season. Only the Commanders averaged fewer points per drive than the Buccaneers in the NFC. Only the Rams, Cardinals, and Commanders averaged fewer yards per play in the NFC than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, they're 21st and third down rate. They're dead last in third and long conversion rate. Um, the the schedule kind of kept them alive. They needed furious, not even fourth quarter comebacks, like final two minute of the game comebacks against the Rams, the Saints, and the Cardinals in the back half of the season. Is this the team that's going to take advantage of like what the Cowboys have been doing defensively with all these injuries in the secondary? Is this the team? 
it is really kind of hard to buy into that, right? And I know it's Tom Brady. It's Tom Brady in the playoffs. Everyone's counting on like this magic to happen, right? But the Buccaneers have given us a 17-game sample where they have been awful on offense. <laughs> like absolutely awful. And man, it is hard to just game? believe. It is hard to just believe it is going to flip on a dime because it's Tom Brady against the playoffs. Yeah, John, uh, feel free to retort as far as the Bucks. It's I didn't know what Vegas was going to do with this game, like the national team in Dallas, the national player in Brady. Um, I, it's and an the Cowboys one. are a big public you, team too. Um, but I, yeah. I think you ha- you had to give Brady the three points at home, though. Um, if I'm thinking like a book, considering how these two teams have played of late, recency bias wise, because remember we're hedging a little bit. Books just take the money. They're not giving yeah, three. Well, well, it, it, opened, well, it opened at three. It, it opened three yeah. and it got bet down. And it because like obvious, yeah. A lot of models kind of have this where it should be four and a half, five to Dallas. And if you open with four and a half, five, like it just gets blasted. Correct. Absolutely blasted. Yeah. Uh, so I think the highest floor, there are, there are many outcomes in this game. I'm so excited <laughs> about this game. I think the highest floor yeah, is the Cowboys offense, no matter what happens. I think the Cowboys offense is live here. That's what makes it mm-hmm. exciting because in a, in a week, especially in a three-day slate where everyone wants to play Vikings-Giants, I can see myself going underweight on that game and going overweight in this situation and hoping the Bucks help out here. But, like, you got to remember, Joe Burrow tagged the Bucks for 34 points. The 49ers with Brock Purdy got 35 points. Remember, they ran them out of that stadium that week. And then yeah. also we had, we had Lamar Jackson, 27 points. Patrick Mahomes put up 41 points. So I still question if this Bucks defense is the answer as well. For the Cowboys offense. Also, for the case of CeeDee Lamb, who I think is one of the best players on the entire slate, the Bucks have allowed a league-high 13 receiving touchdowns to opposing slot receivers, whereas like they're just not allowing anything on the boundary. Third fewest yards per target. Uh, Lamb is also eighth in yards per route run against zone coverage since Prescott returned from injury in Week 7. And zone coverage is what the Bucks have schemed more than any other team remaining in the playoffs. So just a smash spot for CeeDee Lamb regardless. At the same time, let's move over to the Cowboys. And, like, I understand they are top six in EPA per play and EPA per drop back since Prescott returned from injury. They've averaged 35 points per game ahead of Week 18 in that time. And, like, there are some models that account for season-long performance that weigh the Cowboys as, like, actual contenders in the NFC. But, like Rich alluded to, like, this defense is miserable. Uh, Since Week 10, now they've allowed the sixth-highest passing touchdown rate, eighth most yards per attempt, and a league-high completion rate on throws 20-yard downfield. The good news is Brady isn't throwing downfield much, so that's okay. But at the same time, last week, Sam Howell didn't target Trevon Diggs one time at all because he looked across and he saw Deron Bland starting at nickel corner. He sees Kelvin Joseph get pulled off the field, Nashawn Wright come in, get pulled off the field, and they played Trayvon Mullen for half their defensive snaps. Xavier Rhodes was signed to the practice squad I guarantee you he plays a lot on Monday night, his first game with the Cowboys. I think, And if Sam Howell knows not to throw at Trevon Diggs, even though you can, like, what do you think Tom Brady's going to do? He's just going to pick apart the Cowboys secondary. So I, I'm very worried about this game. Again, I think there are many, many outcomes here. But given that all we've talked about throughout the show is saving salary at quarterback, I do think Brady over Daniel Jones, and they're priced similarly on both sides. I think Brady is definitely live here. Uh, Cowboys have also allowed – the most receiving touchdown to boundary receivers where Mike 
Evans obviously plays. And so there's just reasons here to stack Brady through the passing game. Uh, and that's kind of where I'm at right now. Is that a shadow situation as far as Dallas or they're going to be moving around based upon where the receivers are moving? How does that work as far as the secondary? I mean, given their injuries, they probably it probably will be a shadow situation, but it's also not a situation you're worried about Trevon Diggs as well. Uh, you would just have to hope Brady throws there. If not, he'll use Russell Gage and Chris Godwin and just pick apart the other players. Is Gage healthy? He took a big shot last week. Do we, do we know what his availability is? Or I don't know. I, I know Julio Jones hasn't practiced yet. Um, and Gage is still averaging 17% of the team's targets without Julio Jones this year. So that's definitely an injury to monitor. Gage also somewhere you can save salad if you need to on a big slate. Uh, definitely something we're looking at. Rich, your uh, favorite running back in this game, uh, playoff Lenny, I'm told, is a thing for some people. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I've heard people want, always want to make power happen, but supposedly he's nursing some injuries. At least that rumors have been out there, speculation. And there's Zeke, who he's really good from the one-yard line, right? He's like Jamal Williams, basically. Um, yeah, you have a favorite running back in this game? It still would be Pollard, uh, just for the upside. I mean, it's hard to run in the interior of the Bucks. They do give up uh, some production on the outside where Tony Pollard has kind of been at his best as well. We also just need to see who's available for the Bucks. Um, because without Vita Vea or Akeem Hicks on the field this season, they've allowed 4.7 yards per carry to running backs. Uh, but with both on the field together, they've allowed just 3.7 yards per carry to running backs. They have a 71% sex rate. So we need to see if those guys are going to be on the field. Uh, but that would just be more fading Zeke. Uh, we'd still be looking at more outside stuff and Pollard in the passing game. But we've got a two-game sample where these two teams have played. And the signal has been to use Tony Pollard. And he just hasn't had a lot of usage in these games. I mean, granted, his role's a little different now and he should have more. But it's really tough to say like Kellen Moore's really gone past heavy in these, in this. That's why I like, like, you know, playing the Cowboys passing side here. Uh, Zeke has just nine carries in the two games. Like these two teams have played the past two years. Uh, so I think Kellen Moore understands the assignment uh, and it's going to be a big CD lamb game and probably a big Dalton Schultz game. Uh, the other Jamokes uh, are tough to kind of diagnose. Uh, the best receiver they've had this year outside of CD lamb has been Noah Brown. Uh, which basically tells you everything you need to know. Like Michael Gallup, the dude averages less than a yard per route this year. He's gone over 50 yards one time. Uh, Non-CD Lamb wideouts in this offense have combined for nine games with 50 or more receiving yards. Gallup has won the same amount as T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, I thought he was an interesting dart, Hilton, and I feel like I, I did see a, a note that he's getting more routes. I mean, He's gone up every game yeah. that he's played. I mean, it's still very low. Like, yes. he, like he, he ran 16 routes last week. I mean, I'm thinking this as far as maybe like showdown, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. Oh, yeah. Like, that's showdown's fine. Uh, again, Show, like, do whatever the fuck you want on showdown. Yeah. <laughs> showdown is it I a mean, bad play? Don't play it. Yeah. Bucks have been really good again on the boundary. Like, that's why I worry. Um, or, yeah, Bucks have been really good on the boundary. So that's why I worry about that spot. But showdown, yeah, just. I don't know, throw some guys out there. Or like Millie Maker, like large field, and like it's like 30% up top or something goofy like that. And then whatever, just throw stuff against the wall and see if something sticks. It's in their pool, that kind of thing. After last week, I even wonder if recency bias hits the Cowboys offense. That's why I think CeeDee Lamb may come in under rostered relative to like what he should be. All the receivers in this game. It's, it's yeah. play all the receivers except for Michael Gallup. Well, like there like, there's negative recency bias on a lot of these teams, though. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to like bring that into the conversation That's football well, Mike Evans will get will, will get blasted because the dude had 45 points last time he played football <laughs> yeah 
Give me a give me your favorite play in all, all six games, uh, John. You have like a favorite stack, a particular play, a, a, some sort of angle. Your favorite angle you discovered through all your research. Hmm. Anything you got for the people? I gotta look it up. Uh, I have a lot of Richie James right now, apparently. And who else do I have a lot of? Um, Rich is building different lineups than me, so I have James Cook. So I'm curious who Rich is <laughs> overweight on. Rich. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Like where I don't see the mystery to unlock this late. Uh, I don't know where the roadblock is, but, uh, I don't know. I'll play all the good plays. You can get them in. Did you give me a, a you know, Evans versus Godwin take? I, I don't know if I, if I missed it. I apologize. Who, who do you prefer amongst those two, Rich? Uh, probably Evans. Hmm. Not a lot of conviction in that one. <laughs> no, I mean, cause both guys are just going to probably get equal targets, right? Like, they're 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 both at like you look at like Godwin the uh, is right around ten targets per game. Evans like nine point two. Like the target share is going to be there. So like you just favor the guy who gets like the higher leverage targets, and you just hope they hit. Yeah, and um, the matchup does seem to, to to favor Evans too. You know, on the outside. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like the, the matchup is favorable for Godwin too. <laughs> but this play all the receivers, man. This game is either getting people fired or everyone's going to laugh on Monday and say, Yeah, I mean, the thing done. with the Bucks is like, is the same shit. Like, we, how many spots have we been in with the Bucks like this all year, yes. right? And it's like, man, the Bucks, like, this is it. This is the week they score like 35. They go Thunder Gun Express. The dong is being hung. And like, Brian Leftwich comes out and they run for three yards per carry <laughs> on first and second down for three quarters. And they're chasing 14 points. And you're like, what the hell? What the hell happened? The. The good thing is the Cowboys are at least like have allowed the 12th most yards per carry on early down runs. So if the Bucks are going to do that again, since they suck at it, at least the Cowboys are like above average leaking that production. But yeah, uh, you need Tom Brady, no huddle. You need Tom Brady to throw deep. We haven't gotten that. Maybe we get it, but betting against Todd Bowles is historically accurate. So We'll see, man. It's it's a it's an interesting game. It should rightfully yeah, be Dak on Monday is night. Interesting in this game. Yeah. I mean, look. I mean, look at the guys that have been scoring. Like Dagle talked about the the team. I mean, they've a lot of top ten scoring weeks. The Sam Darnold, Brock Purdy, uh, Desmond Ritter at sixteen. Well, I mean, that one doesn't really count because it's week eighteen. But it's like the only quarterback that they've stopped in like the past six weeks is Trace McSorley. Oh boy, I forgot about that. I forgot he, he was even a person. Yeah, and shit, right. they almost lost. They almost lost that game. <laughs> Yeah, I had Arizona in my uh, my pool. I was forced into them. <laughs> I'm still in the loser pool. We're still at six. Everyone won again. <laughs> All right. Well, we gave the people what an hour and twenty minutes of a super wild card weekend conversation. Yeah, Broke down every super. single game. Uh, yeah. Now we're gonna have a little bit of fun uh, with our movie uh, movie uh, spiel. Uh, if you guys don't want any more, uh, you know, if you don't want to hear our movie nonsense, we appreciate y'all watching. Uh, thank you uh, and listening. We'll be back next week. To break down the next set of games, obviously, but we have a, we have you know to keep things going, keep things interesting. We're, you know, we're running out, uh, you know, every single week. Whoever wins our little contest assigns a movie, gives homework to the people. Most people join the contest to actually play it. One of us forgot this week. <laughs> Rich had a bye week, uh, and so they took it bad. down. We'll talk about it in a second, but uh, I guess bad. we're going to talk about the movie we watched first. Is that what we're going to do here? That was Rich's assigned movie, correct? <laughs> 
Yeah. yeah, you know that, and I didn't even know. You know, I, I you had sent the message and the link, and I definitely looked at it, and I was like, oh yeah, and and I I don't know if I just didn't think I did it, and just whatever. Sunday morning, the week eighteen was so different because I didn't have my Sunday chat, so like I was playing, I was like playing video games, and, like just digging around, <laughs> like, uh, like I was like, and then, then Dangle Dangle texted at what, like two, and was like, Rich did so I was like, oh my, now, where the hell is Rich's lineup? <laughs> yeah, so that's a hundred percent on me. And Daigle tried to say like I could still get in with my line, one of the lineups. I was like, no, no, I'm disqualified. Well, all, yeah, all, my lineups all smashed last week too. Like every single lineup cashed. You would have, you would have won. The, that's why I don't. That's why I feel bad. Like no, no, it's got to be a punishment. There has to be a punishment. It's, it's just not fair because you would have won. You would have beat us. So I don't like this. It has to be a punishment. The the, the players you, who play Daigle, you deserve to win. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, you had. Uh, um, you played Elijah Mitchell. You had Elijah Mitchell. Yeah, uh, Steve, you could bring up my lineup real quick. We'll talk about 12 Monkeys in a second. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you said you even said, Rich, you would have played Sam Howell in the lineup. I was trying yeah, to get my, So I played Sam, Josh Allen and Sam Howell were my two core quarterbacks. Yeah. Like, I played them basically everywhere. Um, and we talked about Christian Watson, how he's an amazing play, but for salary reasons, because I still like Justin Jefferson, uh, I, had, I had a little birdie. I had some birdies tell me that, the Vikings were going to play in the first half last week. Oh. And if, Je- if Jefferson was close, they were going to leave him out there in the third quarter and go for the record. It turns out KG Osborne was the one who was running <laughs> wide open, not Jefferson. So the process can be right as your wife leaves you and you still yell about it. Um, but I was playing Jefferson in every single contest last week. And so thus, since I had Jefferson and needed to get up, um, I wasn't worried about Christian Watson and went down at Tanyan instead. Talked about why I liked him. And then we talked about Jordan Mason, but the way Kyle Shanahan talked about Mitchell throughout the week, the the tea leaves kind of led me to to Mitchell instead. And as Rich said, we we luck boxed it. He scored two touchdowns on five carries, so that's what you need on Fanduel. But uh, when I tested again on a on a on a thirteen game <laughs> slate, no, never again. So we got lucky there. You uh you assigned us to watch the longest yard the the first time around when you won this the uh, several weeks ago. You said well, I gave you guys the movie. Yeah, but Rich now gave us a movie for last week, so we can remove this, Steve, and talk about Twelve Monkeys instead. Oh yeah, but I was going to ask John if you have your pick for us going forward. You want to save that? You want to save that? Oh. Until we Let's save that. Let's talk about Twelve Monkeys, and then we'll save. I have a theme. I'm I'm giving you a choice this time. Okay. Um, why did you pick the uh, Twelve? You just wanted to blow. We our did mind. final week of the season. End of the world. We did like uh, the theme was kind of like end of the world. I gave you guys some <laughs> options. I will say so. This is. The first time I've seen this movie probably since the early 2000s. Okay, yeah. So revisiting it was a, a different experience from when I was, you know, 18 years old. Uh, raising my hand to say it's not good anymore, right? <laughs> I, I I didn't, I don't think I liked it at all. It's, I, I still like it, but it's a difference between like where like teenage me was like this movie's an eight and 40 year old me was like it's a six and a half. Yeah, it's it's about a four and a half for me. Well, it's just there's a lot from like movie making in from that period of time that is dated, uh, and there's been a lot of movies that explored themes that this one touches upon that have gone further than this one goes, like a little bit deeper. I personally feel like I need to see it. I, I need to see it again to get like a better grasp if I liked it or sure. not. If that makes sense. I like the I mean? ending though. It all I like the way everything comes together still at the end. Uh, but it's definitely a movie where as a teenager, I was like, this is one of the smartest movies I've ever seen. And then we watch it again, like uh, <laughs> as a season, you're like, yeah, that was solid, but there's a lot of holes here. I mean, it is in a way like 
Pulp Fiction, where there are chapters and we're jumping around, piecing everything together. Uh, and I can understand how in, I think it was made in 1995, that would make a, a lot of sense, how it's clever. But yeah, watching it today, man, I think I was beaten down, to be honest. I, just, I don't think I cared for it at all. Uh, I, do, I do appreciate Brad Pitt's performance. I thought he was a better actor than Bruce Willis. I thought he was great. He, he just got that wild role that everyone dreams of. Like Jared Leto, if he had been around at this time, would have jumped all over this trying out for it. Um, but yeah, it, it was just, it definitely was all over the place and felt like I needed to watch it again to understand it all. We got to see Brad Pitt's ass. We got to see Bruce Willis's ass. Yeah. I was not, I mean, yep. sure, I guess. Uh, I, that, that was a thing for Pitt. What, didn't he show it in Thelma and Louise too? Don't I, is, I feel like that was what he, is that what he was known for in the mid nineties? Uh, he kind of, you know, grew out of that, I suppose. This is and like, this I, is when he was peak hotness. So who knows? <laughs> well, the Hollywood one, he, he's like 50 years old and ripped. Uh, the Quentin Tarantino one that just came out. Um, That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I knew I was in for a ride and like a wild one when the director is uh, the same dude that did Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I'm like, okay, this is going to be weird. Like, and it was ambitious. I appreciate, I appreciate, I appreciate an ambitious swing and it was ambitious. And again, I, I feel like I got the gist of it, but I also feel like I definitely missed something. Uh, and if you, on a, a second watch or a third watch, you pick up on more things. Did you yeah, get the yeah. same, Rich, would you say that as well as far as this movie? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, uh, the ending was a lot more clear than, you know, well, it was clear then too, but like you had to loop around, but uh, the, it wasn't as clever seeing it again. Like, you know what I mean? Like getting to the end where, you know, like he fulfilled uh, obtaining the germ sample, right? Like his goal was to just get them the clean germ sample. And that's, everything was just to getting that point where she was, you know, she collected it at the end. Yeah, uh, I was trying to think like, you know, spoilers uh, for the 20 year, year old, five year old movie. Statue of limitations. Producer Steve, jump in here. What is what are your thoughts? He you said he didn't it? watch it. I don't oh, think well, he got around to it. It was, yeah, I, uh, it was a long week of week 18. It's okay. So I'm, they're going to get me on the long con. Like I was pulling it up on Amazon Prime and it said it's four bucks. But if you want a free trial of stars for seven days, oh. there's no chance I remember to like to cancel that. I'm going to pay, pay for stars for the next like nine months. And, what is this? You just gotta set a reminder I... on your phone. Oh yeah, I guess so. I, 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 you, anytime not... you sign up for something like that, make sure you put it in your phone because otherwise you're gonna do that. Yeah, I'm gonna pay stars like at least a hundred bucks until. <laughs> and I you're realize. not gonna watch anything on stars. Absolutely, stars not great ever. Not gonna. You're gonna power rank. It's it, HBO. It was... <laughs> stars was only good when you were 12 years old and needed softcore porn. That's the only thing it ever featured. I think that was Cinemax. I'm pretty sure. I think that was Skinamax. Well, definitely Skinamax. I feel like I pulled it out the stars at some point. Emmanuel. <laughs> David the Company. Wasn't he a part of like a... Was a he speech? in that? I don't know. Before I didn't watch it for David the Company. He was in like some of those... Like, I mean, we're asking why I know that. Just one of those things, I suppose. Um, you got a, a letter score, a number score, John. It's pretty clear that you you were not a fan of Paul Monk. Also, the same guy did the Fisher King, another weird movie. Yep. Um, yeah, so this guy just—he's definitely out there. Interesting note: this was his best box office movie. He's not great for box office. Fifty-seven million, ninety-five adjusted. I suppose that's really good, but you know he hasn't really had a monster hit. The uh, director uh, Terry Gillum. What's your grade score here, John? It's not going to be good, apparently. For going one out of ten, it's four and a half. Like I said earlier, if we're going five stars, I'm going two. 
I don't think it holds up personally. Maybe I need to watch it another time. Maybe it's my fault. Uh, therapy teaches me accountability, but also maybe the movie sucks now. So I don't know. It could go either way. I'm not certain. And it, there was some some moments where it felt like it did feel like it was 25 years old. You know, there's a few moments where it just kind of yeah. felt that. And that's just going to happen with movies sometimes. Yeah. In the chat, by the way, uh, Duchovny, it was Red Shoe Diaries. Ooh. That's who it was. Yep. There it is. <laughs> glad we're not the only degenerates that know this apparently uh anything else that's worth noting as far as 12 monkeys or shall uh shall we move on and let's talk get, about let's go listen i'm getting on a plane tomorrow uh what am i watching on this on this flight well that taints it if it's on the plane uh, why uh, movies are about experience well, you're right you are right the the quality of not watching it you know on my tv and surround sound is going to take away but like you well, can't yeah. watch the new Top Gun movie on a plane on like a twelve inch screen. Fair. Not for the first time. It can't be your first viewing. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, maybe I won't top, watch the new Top maybe Gun I... is acceptable viewing wherever you're at. Maybe I won't watch this on a plane, depending what we get. <laughs> well, you're gonna find... you're gonna if I've seen it already, I'm going to watch it on the plane. You're you're going to have to find this one on the airplane first of all. So let's let's quickly break this down. Everyone is given themes. Rich started with themes, so I'm giving a theme and. Because HBO started the Last of Us series, which is based on a video game, um, let's now let's take a step back as if we're 12 monkeys and say this in chapters and let you know that I can't watch things without having watched the original first. It's always been an issue. Um, I'm a completionist. Like, I need to see everything first and then dive into the remake. And so I went, since I don't have time to play a video game, nor do I have a video game system, I went and watched the entire cut series film of The Last of Us video game on YouTube. I sat there for three and a half hours watching oh. every cut scene, and now I can tell you, as if I played the game, what happens in The Last of Us. And it's a good movie, by the way. Great movie. I'm actually halfway through The Last of Us 2. Dean just played it. I just yeah, played yeah. the video game, just finished it. The first version, the first, not the second one, but it. you do feel like you you catch yourself like you're in a movie, for sure. Like you're it's playing great. a video game. But it plays like a movie as well. I'm also right. a big fan of Mass Effect. Of uh, I think Bio. Uh, what is that? Bio. Bio. Bioshock. Bioshock. Thank you. Yes, the Bioshock series is absolutely incredible. Storylines and video games are amazing. Uh, but yeah, so I, I went and watched it all yesterday. So I'm very caught up, and I would like to keep the video game movie theme. Mm. Now, having Doom. said that, having said that. There are a lot of movies based on video games that are not good. They're more not good than they are good. So and Sonic so we had to, 2. We're watching Sonic 2. We are not watching Sonic 2. Doom? <laughs> we had a solid movie, though. We had to break the rules a little bit. And so I'm going to just give you five options. How about Doom? that? Y'all can pick between the five options, and Doom is not one of them. <laughs> we start from the top, and we say Resident Evil, the original, which I remember watching a lot of when it first released, and I thought it was pretty good. I think I listened to the soundtrack. A lot as well. So, Resident Evil is the first one. Jolie? Uh, was it Jolie or was it? Am I wrong to say that? I thought it was her. What? No, no Jolie was, was Tomb Raider. No, it's Mila. Oh, uh, Mila oh. Jovich. Yes. Paul yeah. okay. not a pop, uh, his his wife. That made the Jolie movie. was Tomb Raider. Um, okay. Ready Player One. That's where we break the rules here because it is kind of a video game. But it's also augmented reality. And what I tell everyone, it's the best book I've read in the last decade. I think Ready Player One, the book, is fucking incredible. So go read the book regardless if you watch it. Mortal Kombat. 
And I will let y'all decide which one if we make that choice. <laughs> because the, Anderson, the original one, to be fair, is not good. Anymore. I've watched it recently. It doesn't hold up. But nonetheless, we can still watch it. I'll let you choose. Street Fighter. Oh, boy. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, no. Correct. Yes, Street Fighter. And the last Carl one. Julia. The last one, if I save Street Fighter for second to last, Rich, what is the only other video game movie that was worse than Street Fighter? I don't know. There's a lot of bad. Well, Doom was really bad. Are you talking about that? Like the Garbage Doom? Bill Kids movie? Was that a video game ever? <laughs> That's not a, it wasn't a video game, though, right? No. Uh, and, and by the way, Doom at least had the final scene where you were in first player review. I thought that was kind of cool. So the only other choice y'all have is Super Mario Brothers. Oh, shit. Oh. Yeah. That's, yeah. Would we're that trying to like make Dennis Hopper. Age. Yeah. Yes. That so was terrible. Even when I was a kid, I thought it was terrible. I knew it was Oh, bad. yeah. But now imagine when you're 40. Uh, <laughs> so the choices resident evil the original ready oh player boy. one mortal Kombat. so i am watching one. this on the plane for sure street oh fighter or original super <laughs> mario brothers which one's the shortest <laughs> I don't know uh mortal I, Kombat I annihilation to... is worse than the first one though the second one yes Maybe we watch that instead. I don't. You have to get to Mortal Kombat before we have that discussion. So there's I a Double like Dragon movie too that's of... really bad, right? There is a Double Dragon movie. Yes. Yes. I saved y'all from that. Oh. God. I think we should lean in, Rich. Like, if look, they're all different degrees of bad. Let's just go for the most bad, and hopefully, like it's it's Street so Fighter. bad it's good. You think okay. Street Fighter's worse than Super Mario Brothers? I don't know if I want to watch Super Mario Brothers again, but I think I can have some laughs at. I've actually even seen the super, the old Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah, so bad. It is very <laughs> bad. I mean, I feel like we can have some unintentional laughs with Street Fighter. Chris Klein's in Street Fighter. Yes. Okay, that think, seems, that could be that could be. I think that's the choice. Players. I think that's the choice. The Legend of Chun Li. Oh, Chun Li was like the best character with the kicks, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a Chun Li movie too, right? Like she has her own standalone movie that they made at some point. All right, maybe we need to watch. That okay, instead. we're gonna play a game. Street. I play. I during the pandemic. I kid you not. With some of my DFS friends, we would gamble on this, the Rotten Tomatoes game, right? And somebody would have to guess. They would they would put a number on it, and the other person would have to bet over or under, right? Uh, John, I will let you guess. I just pull up Rotten Tomatoes. I'm gonna go by the critics. I have audience as well. You tell me this, John. Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li came out in 2019. What is the tomato meter rating according to the critics for Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li? This is this is the one we're going to watch, the first one. Yes. This is Chris Klein. No, this isn't. No. Nope. That's a different movie. Legend of Chun-Li's Legend of Chun-Li's the second one. That came out like 5 years ago, right? Or no? No, 2013. No, 2009. 2009. 2009. Okay. Uh, it is it is knowingly debated as one of the worst movies of all time. So I'm going to say I'm going to say 21. percent Okay, well now I, I go to Rich and it's okay. Rich over or under 21. percent I saw. Are we? Which one are we talking about? The Legend of Chun Li. Yeah, it's 2009. Oh, okay, yeah. So not the Van Damme movie. No. Oh no, I guess not. Yeah, I guess we'll decide which one we should watch. Oh, no. Oh, no, hold on. Okay, Legend of Chun-Li is the second one. We're going to watch the original. We're watching the first Van Damme movie. Okay, so for the record. But we can uh, still finish this game, Dean. And Rich, <laughs> all right, Rich so I'll Legend, leave it at 20%. Legend of Chun-Li, I will say 5%. <laughs> yeah, well, you, all you got to do is say under, but yeah, that's a better 100%. guess. It's 3%. 
Oh my! Let's watch that. that asked for it, I guess. Oh, the the audience is a lot generous. They're a lot kinder typically for movies like this. Eighteen percent from the audience. That's a red flag. Um, yeah. Okay. So we're watching the Street Fighter with um, what's his name? Jean Claude Van Damme. Street Fighter with Jean Claude Van Damme, and again, everyone go read Ready Player One. It's an amazing book. Yeah. <laughs> I, I you know it's funny. I actually watched that movie on a plane. <laughs> It just comes full circle. The uh, the movie, you know, everyone says this. I know it's about to be cliche, but the movie like does not do justice to the book. The book is absolutely incredible. I, I have the uh, Rotten Tomatoes up. If you're curious, the original Street Fighter with Jean Claude. If you want to redeem yourself, uh, John, now you know the game is played. Twenty one percent. Audience or, or critics? Which one are you answering? Uh, critics. I don't care about the audience. We are the audience. Uh, rich over or under 21%? Under critics, 12%. Uh, audience, 30%. Yeah, rich is yeah, much, much 7% from the critics. Out of 44 <laughs> critics. I mean, wow, this movie, man. This movie, <laughs> hell yeah. This watch it. Blanca, Blanca in this movie. Say it again, Blanca in this movie. The character Blanca, Blanca was um, the shit in the video game. There is a uh, uh, Guile Bison, yeah, Chun uh, yeah. Li's in it, yeah. Ken Masters is that a character? Or is that like an evil Kylie Minogue's in it? The pop singer. Yep. Okay, Lieutenant Cammy. I don't know yep, who that yep. is in the name, but I'm excited. <laughs> it's just gonna be so terrible. It's a great um, movie. I'm gonna spend four bucks on that. I Van Dam plays ours. an American character. <laughs> who does Van Dam? Okay. Yeah. Uh as you've seen from John Claude Van Damme, he cannot do an American accent. No. So. <laughs> or did he turn it on for this movie? Wait and see. You know, it, this does lay the groundwork for future movie selections. <laughs> You're, we're going in a different direction. I mean, the video game movies, like, man, there is no shortage of, like, absolute crap you could pick. Exactly. Yes. Is there a great besides Red Player One? I know we got to go. Obviously, is what's the best video player video game movie that's ever made? Is like, is there a definitive answer to that? Does Wreck It Ralph count? Was Wreck It Ralph actually a video game? Was a combination of a bunch of video characters? It was like Ready Player One, where it's a like a fake video game. Yeah, I don't know. There's probably a good answer to that, but maybe let us know in the comment section I, if you're watching if you're still I could have sworn I could have sworn the original Resident Evil was good but again that's 12 monkeys where I watched it when mm. I was like 15 so okay yeah Rich has watched it more recently mm. so yeah probably not you I, know, I remember being pretty mad at that because it's like okay. it just didn't have anything to do with the game I would say recently both of the Sonic movies are enjoyable they're obviously not geared towards like blowing the way like anything like you know critically um uh, the Tomb Raiders are watchable. There is a really dope Final Fantasy movie, Advent Children. Not the Final Fantasy movie that came out with Aaron Paul and Alec Baldwin and all those people, but like the Advent Children is really awesome. Uh, what? Uncharted crap. Prince of Persia crap. Uh, Rampage Warcraft, Warcraft crap. Which one did you say? Rampage, I assume, was bad, but I didn't see it. Rampage, awful. I mean, it's a rock. It's every Dwayne Johnson movie you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hitman, awful. They haven't mastered this. Max Payne, awful. So, Rotten Tomatoes. According to Rotten Tomatoes, 86%. I don't remember this video game. 
Werewolves Within is the number one video game movie of all time. You guys aware of this video game? I don't remember it. I don't. I don't know it. But uh, and the Angry Birds movie too is number two. We're watching that. <laughs> Not the first Angry Birds. I didn't even know that there was a second Angry Birds movie too. Like there's a second one. You gotta follow it up. You gotta have a. The sequel. first one is twelfth best according to Rotten Tomatoes. So the, the wow. sequel is better than the original, which is rare. And I, I've heard a lot of people speak and speak well of the Sonic movie. The with, so uh, Sonic Two. Is enjoyable. Yeah. I will say. Uh, I have kids, so maybe like I'm on a curve of what I've sat through. But like I, you know, Sonic, Idris Elba was a joy. He was a delight in that movie. I like him. All right. We shall uh, get out of here. Uh, if anybody's still listening. Uh, Rich, <laughs> Nobody is after team. that. <laughs> Nobody's coming back after that shit. <laughs> I want on the, in the YouTube comments, give me your favorite take. And not, not like the live. We appreciate y'all watching live. I'm saying in actual comments when it's posted. Hit that like button as well, too. We do appreciate it. We're coming back next week. We're going to knock out the fresh slate of new games. But, uh, Rich, there's seven people still listening. Those seven people, one is going to follow you on Twitter now. Who's this Rich Rebar guy? Where does he find your content? Uh, at Lord Reeves on Twitter. We are in the season where the, the tweets don't come out as frequently. Uh, but you can follow me over there. I'm still doing worksheet write-ups for all these games. They're a little bit more dense because I have fewer games to write up and I can spend more time on each one. So if you want to check those out, by all means, sharpableanalysis.com. Diggle? At NotJDiggle on Twitter and 44.com where my playoff-only rankings for the FFPC challenge if you're playing that contest also the underdog gauntlet which i know people are getting into uh my rankings and stack rankings are there at 44.com for everyone playing those contests all right for our sponsor thrive for rotogrinders for rebar for daigle for producer steve for jean-claude van Dam, uh for 12 monkeys i was dean appreciate y'all watching good luck win somebody this week come back next week take something down good luck we're out of here Boom. <laughs>